You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! I know Kung Fu. Show me. I want you to do me a favor. Yeah, sure. I want you to hit me as hard as you can. What? I want you to hit me as hard as you can. I find your lack of faith disturbing. Welcome to the John Weldon Show. I am in Cabo San Lucas in Mexico right now. And uh, it's a sunny day, so I'm going to keep my sunglasses on. That's not too distracting for you. But um, a tiny little espresso from my room. Enjoying beautiful weather. Coming to you live from Mexico. So, uh, yeah, I've been thinking quite a bit about this week's call and looking forward to it. What I want to get into is talking about accountability, but from a, a unique angle, because maybe you had the same experience in church, but accountability always seemed to be some dudes meeting up at a cafe or a uh, diner a morning each week early before work, maybe talking a little bit from their Bible, talking about how they're struggling with their wife or their kids or their identity or how they missed God or how they uh, felt like they were called to ministry, but it never was successful or they're watching too much porn or they're in some sort of power struggle with their church leadership and they don't feel seen and heard, recognized. Like this is the standard, standard things that I've heard over and over and over again about accountability. And actually in the church world, I don't even hear women talk about accountability unless they're saying how other guys need to be accountable to guys so it seems almost like it's a male topic and we're not doing well with it and then when a leader goes blows themselves up you know they explode their life they crash their ministry they crash their marriage they whatever um there's sort of this revolving discussion that always comes back up of responsibility and accountability well, where was the denomination? Was, was anyone checking on this person? Where was the board? Where was the people that were supposed to be taking care of this? And part of the problem is when, when things start and they're built wrong from the beginning and it's off just a little bit, it just keeps going on. And so if we can correct these things from the beginning before something grows, when you, when you have a small house church, and you decide we're gonna set up a certain way of doing things with our leadership so that it stays safe and healthy, then it can stay on track as it grows into 200 members and a thousand members. But if you set it up wrong from the get-go, you're gonna have a harder time adjusting it down the road. So one of the things about accountability is part of its structure, uh, part of it is heart and your goals. Now, 
when I say goals, I actually don't use goals as much as I used to. I used to use a lot of goal setting. Um, what I've switched to is standards. Here's the difference. Let's say my goal is to be 200 pounds. And I set that goal. There's a lot of ways I can get down to 200 pounds. I could lose weight. I could work out. I could sit in a sauna every day and sweat like crazy. I could go on a fast. I could cut off an arm. You know, I could lose the weight a lot of different ways. So goals are very, very broad. When you set a standard, and you say, okay, my goal might be to be 200 pounds, but my standard is that I eat this way and I do this workout five days a week. Now you have a standard that will cause you to eventually get to that goal, but the actual standard is more like the goal of your day. Did I hit my targets for that day? If you did, then eventually you'll get to the larger goal anyway. It's doing the right things every day that really become the standard. That's where accountability can come in because then you can take your standard and connect with a few people who will then challenge you to keep your standard. They might not be able to help you, you know, connect with the idea of I need to get to 200 pounds or I need to lose X number of pounds or whatever in the bigger sense of the goal, but they can still go. Hey, you only, you're saying you only worked out two days this week and normally you're supposed to work out five. What's going on, man? Are you not a priority? Does your health not matter? Does it, does it make a difference to you if you, if you skip half of your workouts this week? What's the cost? How's that going to affect your, your marriage, your, your work, your schedule, your sleep, your ability to play with your kids? When you have a standard, then somebody can hold you accountable to that standard. So there's a difference between goals, which usually people don't hold you accountable to your goals. But when you set a standard, there's something clearly defined that they can grab onto and connect with. So how does that connect with what you build, whether it's a business or whether it's a ministry? And how you build something to last that's not going to crash down the road. Well, part of it is having standards. Not just having a goal of, I want to have a church of 300 people. I want to have a church of 1,000 people. I want to have a church of, no. I mean, maybe those are, there's nothing wrong with that goal. What I'm saying is back up and set a standard. I want to have a ministry where my wife and I have an amazing relationship. I want to have peace in my home. I want to have a family that that uh, loves each other and respects each other and functions well. See, when we actually go to 1 Timothy 3, it talks about who you should put in as leaders. It doesn't talk about goals. It talks about standards. You don't get people who abuse alcohol. You don't get people who abuse their spouses. You don't get people who are cheating around. You don't get people who are, you know, dysfunctional in all these ways. Their kids are disrespectful and dishonoring. You don't, you don't have those in there. Instead, the standard is set of if they can rule their house well, 
then they can be a leader in the church. The standard is if you can rule your house well, you can be a leader in the church. That's that's what we have to get a hold of, is setting standards that then can be carried over. And that's a, that's a big one, too, because, you know, it's really, I was thinking, thinking about the people that we put around ourselves and what people we empower to speak into our lives so for example a lot of people saying good morning you must be west coast people i'm uh i'm in cabo san lucas right now and so i don't know what time it's, it's 11 15 right now i figured it's kind of middle of the day i've kept some europeans around dinner Catch, uh, catch my East Coast people early afternoon. Well, the idea of who we put around ourselves. So here's the thought. King David, he's king, he's a ruler. He doesn't have to have anybody around him. There's a helicopter going over. I'll give it a minute. So King David, he's the king. He doesn't have to have any accountability around him, but he chooses to. So part of what he chooses to do, I always thought this was amazing, is he puts around himself people like Nathan the prophet and Gad the seer. And we hear more about Nathan the prophet because he was involved in confronting David about David and Bathsheba and Uriah and the murder of Uriah and all of that. So we know that story much more. But in First Chronicles 21, David numbers his fighting soldiers. He counts them all. Now, part of what God had said not to do that, because really what it was, was he was trusting in his own ability, his own numbers, his own strength, is the metaphor there, instead of trusting in God's ability to win his battles and deliver him. So he numbers out his army, counts them all, and that is an affront to God. And so Gad the seer comes and confronts him and says, God says, you've done this, it was wrong, and you have three choices. And they're all terrible options. Either this can happen, this can happen, or this can happen. And David throws himself on the mercy of God, saying, you know, let, let the Lord do this and let him be merciful to us. And so he picks one the one option that really throws himself into God's hands. So the point of the story for what I'm sharing it for is not about the numbering and it's not about uh, the consequences. It's about the fact that David had Nathan and Gad who could come and confront him like that. That piece right there is necessary if you want to be a leader and build something that lasts. I'll speak from personal failure and experience. When I built Weldon Academy, I didn't have a structure. Originally, I didn't have a nonprofit. It took me a few years to get that set up. When I did get that set up, I put a couple of people in place that were there buddies, they were friends, they were cheerleaders, they were people who were for you. you know, one of them was a main staff member who worked for me. And one of them was my local pastor who's like biggest heart in the world. And so 
that was what I put into place as my board. Knowing they're they're for me, I'm not going to get stabbed in the back. And I think that's the part of the small minded way that a lot of people start their stuff is they, they try to set up, at least I know I did for myself, and I've heard it many other times, they put in people who they feel safe with, people who are not going to betray them, people who are not going to vote them out and crucify them. And that seems to be a theme that I've seen with people. One of the mistakes in doing that also, I mean, there's many, but one, one mistake is they can't, they don't have no power to actually hold you accountable. On paper they do, but when you put in nice guys and nice girls who are just going to be yes men and rubber stamp whatever you're doing and saying, it's gonna create a problem long-term when something's off and needs to be confronted and you need a Nathan the prophet, you need a Gad the seer to get in your face and say, you're off, this is a problem. One of the things that can be uh, a huge mistake is putting somebody on that close inner circle that gets their paycheck from you. If you have people who work for you, who are supposed to be on your board, as your accountability team, you're an idiot. You're an absolute idiot to think that you can put somebody that gets their paycheck from you as your accountability board member. I say that from experience of being that idiot. You can't do that because they're not gonna have the balls needed to actually stand up to you and say, mm -hmm. No, not okay. See, part of what David didn't do is he didn't have his royal officials under him as his accountability team. No, he had prophets. God supplied the prophets. They could go and multiply oil. Birds would feed them. Like they, they had their own supply from God himself, their own relationship, their own walk. They're fine. Whether David did anything for them or not, they're fine. Because they had that kind of separation, they had enough power to actually speak clearly and directly and confront things. And yeah, maybe the king would try to take their head off, but still, they're a prophet of God. Nobody wants to actually try to take the head off of the prophet of God, especially if you're the king of Israel. So King David was wise in having that, that separation. That was one piece. Um, now, another was the aspect of not simply having your cheerleaders. If you think of a sports team, you have on your team, you have a coach, you have your physical therapist, you have your players, you have your quarterback, you have your cheerleaders. They're all a part of the team. Even the people who are in the stands cheering you on are part of the team. I I think of that from the aspect of if you're going to be leading something as a leader, you have this whole team that surrounds you. And some people in your life are just going to be the cheerleaders. They're there to go, yeah, you're doing a great job. Go for it. We love you. Nah. You know, all that. And those are great. They're really nice, encouraging people. 
not who you need on your inner core accountability to call you out and say, no, 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 you're off. That's usually not your cheerleader. It's also usually not your head coach that's going to be the person who calls and says, you know, you're, you're, you're off here. Your head coach might be somebody that's challenging you, pulling you forward, a role model, an example. They might not even be connected to you. They could be something out there that you go like, oh, I, I just, I love the model of this minister, this ministry. I want to be like them. And that could be a role model out there that could be a head coach. The one that's going to actually see something's wrong is going to be the physical therapist. This physical therapist person is going to look and go, oh, there's something about your running, your gait, it's off. There, come over here, bend your leg like this. Ooh, yeah, you got a problem. They are going to be the one that really can see that and help you get it confronted and deal with it. But a lot of people, they put their, they put their cheerleader in to their inner circle of accountability board and you're going to blow up your ministry long term because the cheerleader is never going to call you out and say your tendon is screwed up and you can't keep running like that your head coach he's not wired to think that way and look at things that way so people go and they get some some rock star leader that everybody in the body of christ knows their name and they they got books out there and the whole deal and they put them on their board and they go see now i'm safe because i got the rock star working with me now i'm safe mm -mm. he's not going to see what he needs to see especially the distance that usually they are what has to happen is there has to be a close circle of people around you that you trust to say watch me when i run point out what you see and help me correct it I've never had that before. Years of not having that and having discussions, debates, writing a book on fivefold ministry, leading large things, seeing lots and lots and lots of ministries that explode, implode, blow up, and never getting clear on this piece right here. It wasn't until I blew up and spent two years basically cycling not making any forward progress frustrating the hell out of my restoration team by the time by the time i got about two years down the road uh from when i blew up in september 2018 until march 2020 between that window of time probably 60 percent of my board was like i am so done I am done with Jonathan. I'm done with working with him. I'm done with this process. I am frustrated. I'm tired. I am done with this. They could probably say it in their own ways, but they were done. And they had started with hope. They started with believing in restoration, believing in the kingdom, believing in loving people back to life, believing all the good, right stuff that you'd want your restoration team to believe. But I drove it into the ground over the course of those two years or so, year and a half span. Part of the issue there was I had people that loved me, believed in restoration, wanted to see restoration, but also were not the physical therapists. They didn't know how to look and say, that right there, that's what you got to work on. And we are going to hold the line and challenge you on it and believe in you and help you get it fixed. It wasn't, it wasn't 
their strength set either. So we got to a certain point and it was like, I've worn the hell out of these people. And I, I literally, I'm losing, I'm losing them uh, because I can't get this area of my life fixed. So that took me actually a second wake up call in March of 2020 before I then joined a program called the Bulletproof Husband. Now the Bulletproof Husband is a secular program for men who are probably gonna lose their marriage or are facing that. And I joined the program and I start learning and I start seeing, oh my gosh, I've never seen a model like this before. And it's so kingdom, but I've never seen it in the church. It's, uh, it's uh, the way they've actually structured it. They built it, three men lead it <clears throat> together and they're partners and they challenge each other. And you often don't even know like who's actually in charge. They're in charge and they challenge each other and there's high levels of accountability. <clears throat> then they put us into groups as being trained. When I moved into the face being trained as a coach in the program and I had a one-on-one -on -one partner and then I was part of a squad and in my squad we would talk and we would challenge each other and we would hold the standard for each other and one of those members of my squad is actually now now that it's been two three years later um he is now on my board for my 501c3 he's one of the best coaches in the program uh there's another guy in the program who never went through the coach training, but is, is one of the most solid men in the program. They're two of my board members now, as well as a pastor friend who went through everything with me in the, in the last five years. So my board now, and this has been on my mind a lot recently, because I just had a board meeting about a week ago and it was amazing. We'd scheduled the time for, here's our window of time for one hour. I spent the first 30 minutes laying out for them. Here's, here's what we're looking at. Here's, you know, the new program, the new site, the new things, the new things that are being written, worked on. Try not to give much away here. Um, but I'm laying out for them the picture of what I'm working on and where it's going. And I get about halfway, I, I get through finished sharing that. And I said, okay, what are you guys hearing? Sean, one of the, uh, the guys from Bulletproof, one of the coaches who's on the board now, he goes, what's going on with that? I'm like, what do you mean? Well, you just don't seem as confident as you should be or as certain as you should be. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you're probably onto something. And then Dano, another guy from both group, he chimed in and Matthew chimed in. And between the three of them, we spent the next 40 minutes of them holding up a mirror and pointing to different things going, here's an area that you don't sound totally confident. If you're not confident, there's probably some insecurity there. That insecurity is coming from an area of hurt that's still there or fear. So 
What are you going to do about that? Okay, you're right. And we, we've actually scheduled our, our meetings, my team with this, with my team uh, for every month at this point and said, okay, as things start moving again and start, start moving forward, I want to have high levels of accountability that can not just, not from any area of control, but from an area of, oh, what's going on with that muscle, that tendon, that ligament, how are you doing? How's the running? How's the whatever, that they can spot it, see it, help me develop it. And it was like, they just looked right in there. Like, yeah, right there, that's the spot. And I, I realized as I was processing it, like, I'm trying to figure out how to summarize it for you because it was 40 minutes of conversation. Um, there's still an element of, there's an element of redefining that I'm going through from the past of Jonathan the seer, Jonathan the fivefold teacher, Jonathan the theologian, Jonathan the better covenant guy, Jonathan the eschatology guy. Jonathan, the school leader, Jonathan, the, and there's all these giftings, callings, talents, purposes that I've walked in. And I know that what I'm called into in this season moving forward is not simply another, a new thing like that, but it's actually showing up authentic. It's coming here with my heart and sharing my life and showing people what's possible with your mask now you can really own own your own your own yourself you know own your calling own your mistakes own your good own your bad and just the as I'm going through that redefining and coming forward a new way, also recognizing the concern that pops up for me at times of how much rejection will come with that and how much fight and pushback, um, but especially rejection. It's just the, the rejection, the, the people who want, oh, you know, get back to you know, I want to hear more about you seeing angels from that book you wrote 15 years ago. I want to hear more about uh, women in ministry because people are talking from where they're coming from, what they need and where they're at. And that's different than what I'm actually bringing forward from fruit of my own life and the season that I've been in, the place I've been living from. These are different things. So it's like Matthew 10 talks about if you receive a prophet as being a prophet, you receive the prophet's reward. Well, there's what I'm coming forward with now is Jonathan, the man, the father, the husband, the person, just being a person. I still have the knowledge. I still have the giftings, the callings, all of that stuff. 
that I've walked in, it's not gone. But I'm showing up as a person. And we don't see that in ministry, in church world, in ministry. Like ministers are not people. I mean, they are, but they pretend like they're not. And to just show up as Jonathan, the person, as I'm navigating that, part of the fear that they picked up on when they were having this board meeting with me, which was awesome, was they were poking at like, yeah, but you're afraid to fully do it, fully put it out there because of how people are going to respond. Yes, absolutely. Okay, well, that's that's what you got to look at. That's what you got to deal with. So that's what I'm looking at. That's what I'm dealing with. That's, that's the piece of, of digging in there. Um, and there's moments where I can feel myself wanting to pull back and do something almost from like spiritual muscle memory of like, oh yeah, this is the answer for this or that or this question or how to help this person. Instead of, you know, part of the real authentic me is I listen and I hear where somebody's really at. I hear what's going on with them. And I don't just try to throw a solution at it, but I empathize, I care. I care about people. I'm, I'm actually a deeply caring person. And I've hidden that behind a lot of knowledge and giftings and other things over the years. But really, truly, I, I really care about people. But then there's, there's a fear that pops up sometimes of like, okay, well, how are they interpreting your care? Are they, you know, putting it through their filter and saying, well, you're only caring because blah, 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 blah. It's like, man, the self-talk can be such, such a jerk sometimes. And all of that, all of that stuff comes from, from bullets that I'm still, still working through. Um, you know, one of the ones they put their finger on was, we call it the incompetent bullet. And for somebody who's been really competent as a teacher, as a theologian, as an itinerant, as a prophetic guy, I felt really competent in those areas. And I've become competent in my ability to show up as a man, an authentic me in my marriage and as a parent and inside the coaching program that I work with. But to bring that same me forward to the church, to the ministry world, I'd say that's one of my big challenges. That is one of my big challenges. I started this discussion talking about accountability and setting a standard and building to last. So I'm telling you, this is where I'm, this is where I'm aimed right now. This is where I'm going. So I have to have people around me who can see how I'm doing with that, put their finger on it and say, you're still hiding out. You're still holding back. Push, push it further. Show up fully. Get into that confidence level of who you really are and who we know that you are. 
because we've really seen you. So that's part of what I'm working on. And I know you're working on something. We're all working on something, some area of our life, if we're honest. I mean, if you want to be a liar, you're not working on anything. You're perfect. You're all done. But if you're going to be honest and truthful, you're working on something too. Or maybe you have given up and you're not working on anything. That would be very sad. But that's what I'm working on. And yeah, sometimes it requires that I don't have my teacher hat. I don't put my teacher hat on, but I just show up and share my heart. And I, I feel like that's what this has turned into today, which is good by me. Um, but I also can't force that. You know, it's either authentic or it's not. And uh, so I guess I'm, I'm part of the bottom line for me is I'm really thankful that I found some people that are willing to walk with me and be those physical therapists that can see the issues and help me get it dialed in before things go way off. That if, if things go off by a millimeter, they go, oh, no, oh, that, that's not it, that's not it. And they help me reset very close so that things don't go off way out here. And I couldn't have those people be people that were under me in any way, whether they were paid, whether they were people who looked up to me, whether they were big rock star people that were over me but weren't close, they were distant. I had to have people who right here in my space and can listen and say, that's not it, bro, you're missing it. And that's a rare gift. And if you can find those people and pull them in close, I mean, the rare gift of people who will even just tell you the truth we are all such freaking liars. And the church, we're like another level of liar. Like, it's been shocking to me. The, the ability to lie is such a huge part of the religious spirit. To be fake, to be perfectionistic, to put up facades and walls, it's, it's profound. And I've talked to a lot of guys who've gone through restoration, restoration processes who end up angry about the team that was put around them. I've sat and had lunch with major leaders that you would know their names who've been through processes who will sit there and bitch about how they're the victim and that the leadership team around them didn't handle them right and they didn't do this right they didn't do that right and all this stuff instead of owning you're the leader you're the leader you put this team around yourself you chose these people you failed you're the leader you failed you put the wrong people around you you put the wrong structure around you for whatever reason you chose that group 
and they weren't capable of handling it and they failed. You can't then sit there and blame them for it, for failing you. Or if you didn't put them around you and somebody else came, swooped in and put them all around you, you still didn't actually stand up for yourself and say, no, I'm not walking with this team. This team, no, this isn't it. So any of that victimhood stuff is a sign that there's, that you haven't, you're not walking in leadership capacity that's possible. A strong, healthy leader will put strong, healthy individuals around themselves who are not dependent on the income or the reputation or the connections or anything else, but can see right through to what needs to be said. All right, I think I think I might have said something smart that you get something out of. I think I'll stop talking. Um, let's see if there's questions. Any questions? Opening it up. I got a little battery life. No worries. Open this up here for 10, 15 minutes. Put your questions in the chat. Uh, for those of you on Facebook, because I'm recording this on Zoom as well, but I don't have anybody live on Zoom yet. We're starting that next week. Again, indestructible leaders. I decided last week after some prayer time, changing it. It's free. You just have to get registered. This is the last free one that I'm doing out on Facebook. Uh, so next week, it will be sent to your inbox. There'll be a Zoom link where you can actually join the call and watch, ask your questions on the call. But I'm not going to be showing up for an hour every Wednesday on Facebook Live anymore for Indestructible Leaders. If you want this kind of content, get over to indestructibleleaders.com. Get yourself registered for free or not, whatever. You know, it's your choice. Nobody's controlling you. Let's see. I'm just going to scroll back and see what people's, there's a few comments here. Holly says, I read all your books, watched all your YouTubes, and watched your fall until now. And now I've watched all your Indestructible Leaders videos. Wow. You're carrying and releasing, you're carrying and releasing with a new authority from the Lord. I'm grateful to be a part of it. Oh, that's beautiful. Thanks, Holly. Very, very kind. Um, let's see. Deirdre, do you feel like some of it might be triggers for ministry days? Absolutely. I find myself recoil at things because I still have wounds from my old ministry days I didn't realize were there, where people pick you apart and hold you under a microscope for all their own standards. Yep. Something I have to work through. That's exactly what I was talking about. Something I am working through and owning it. So I don't end up with a victim mindset about it. This is hurts that I absorb that I have to deal with. I have to actually deal with them, not carry them around. Not pretend they aren't there. And let's see. When you pick people you think will hold you accountable, but then when they try, you only halfway listen or passively strong arm your way with a smile out of the painful accountability. Yeah, I mean, I, I've been there in the past myself. It was always like, uh, it was always 
this. Okay, I'll listen because I have to, but I don't know what to do with what you're telling me. And I just walk away feeling beat up like I'm bad or evil. So I'm really not making any progress with anything anybody's telling me. All right, I'm not seeing any questions. Come on guys, couple minutes. Any thoughts on this? We've all watched, we've watched over the last five years, we've watched leaders blow up ministries. We've watched churches collapse. We've watched horrible decisions in response to COVID. We've watched lots of young leaders in 2017, 2018 committing suicide. We've seen lots of stuff. I'm sure none of you have any thoughts or opinions or questions on any of it. Beach is ready. Yeah, the beach is ready. For those who didn't catch the beginning of the broadcast, I'm in Cabo San Lucas, Mexico, down here with uh, Pastor Brian Orm. He's a good friend of mine. He's in Southern California. He's put together a group of pastors and leaders who are here. It's really special leaders that are here uh, for the weekend. And I said, yeah, I'll come hang out. Not doing anything, just just attending. So here at the beach, all-inclusive resort, going to go find a steak after this and uh, have a nice afternoon. All right. I'm not seeing anything else. Well, all right, guys. Have a great afternoon or evening or morning, wherever you are. And uh, thanks for coming and joining the broadcast. Um, oh, now, there, now there's a couple questions coming through. All right, I'll hang out for these. I'll hang out for a couple of these. These are good. Do you feel like there's any trans... Whoop. Do you feel like there's any transgressions with a leader that are not redeemable? Hmm. I think there's a lot of religious answers to that question, but I think what it really comes down to is trust. Let's say that you're walking along in ministry and you're you're leading your business, you're leading your ministry, whatever it is, and you have $100,000 of trust, emotional trust in your relationships with people, and you do something, and now you've withdrawn the trust and the bank account dips to negative 300,000. Well, maybe that's what most people are used to. They're used to leaders taking out 300,000. And so they're like, well, you know, every leader, does this at some point, they get divorced or they whatever. And it's like a normal breach of trust. And so it's only 300,000. But then somebody else does something and it's a very different, higher level breach of trust. And now it's a million dollars overdrafted in the account. We think, oh, that's not redeemable. The real challenge is that we never actually teach people how to rebuild trust. 
And so they're stuck with a million dollars of debt, but they don't know how to actually go rebuild trusts. There's a whole conversation about how to rebuild trust in relationships that needs to happen. Now there's a challenge there too, though, because just because somebody becomes trustworthy doesn't mean you can control other people's ability to trust them. So I became trustworthy long before people started to trust me again. But there's a lag time between becoming trustworthy and people trusting because they then have to work through and face their stuff and their demons and their issues to be able to trust again. So there's, there's definitely a lag time between the two. But is there something that's irredeemable? I think there's certain things that are, when you're messing with kids, I, I don't want to see, I don't want to see you in society. I want to see you behind prison bars for the rest of your life. There's certain things. Uh, if, if, you, if you are a pedophile or you're a rapist, there, there should be serious consequences. I don't know if it always should be capital punishment of, of death, but I would, I would consider serious consequences for certain things. There's some people who go, whoa, whoa, better covenant. Yeah, better covenant is how God interacts with his bride in the kingdom and the church. But he said in Romans 13 that he gave the government the power of the sword to put down evildoers. The job of the government is to punish evildoers. It's not just to rob you of tax money. The actual job of the government is supposed to put down evildoers not empower them to be the fake president and his son. Like that's, that's not the job of the government. The job of the government is actually to put down evildoers. So there's a few things that I would say, I, I don't know if I'd say irredeemable, but they'll never, they, they'll never get the trust back. And literally when you do certain things, you will never be trusted again. And you probably should never be trusted again. Um, but there's, there's an aspect of, think about the different leaders that we've seen over the years that literally were unbelievers, went to jail, went to prison, spent time there, got saved, changed their life, and now they're out leading some powerful ministry. It's kind of hard to say anything is irredeemable. I think it's, I think, I think that's hard. That's a hard question, but open a can of thoughts there so i'm going to leave that one alone uh joey asked what i appreciate is when leaders usually fall apart one of two things happens either they come back and pretend it never happens yep or the church walks away from them and they ride off into the sunset yeah that's true they i've seen that pattern over and over again I'm to the point of joking about it that like, yeah, they usually go sell cars. Like I've seen that so many times. There's lots of leaders blow up and then they go sell cars. I see neither of those here and it's refreshing to actually see the struggle and process in real time, progress in real time. Makes your story so much more relatable. Oh, thanks, Joey. Appreciate it, buddy. Thank you for sharing your heart. Thanks, Java. Good to see you. It's really good, yes. Knowing authentic love is imperative and judging the truth. Knowing authentic love is imperative to judge the truth and constant accusation of any leader is that isn't loving. Yeah, yeah, true, true, true. Yeah, yeah. People seem to have a hard time balancing truth and love. 
um, when you really experience real truth where somebody's actually willing to tell you the truth, then it, it will feel like love. I, I, I go back in my mind to this example. I had a friend call me up. Uh, he hadn't joined Bulletproof yet. I hadn't talked to him in about 10 years at this point. He calls me up and he says, hey man, can I talk to you? I got this marriage stuff going on. Seems like you're doing well. I'm like, yeah, go for it. He talks for two and a half hours. 99% of the conversation is him talking. I might've asked a clarifying question or two. I'm listening, I'm listening. I'm, yeah, wow, man, that's okay. Then what happened? He talks and he talks and he talks. And then he gets to a certain point and he slows down. He's like, do you, you have any thoughts? And I'm like, well, I just wanna make sure you said everything. It's like, yeah, I think, I think I'm done. I think I'm done. So, okay, I have some thoughts. You ready? Yeah. That is all over the phone. And I tore, I tore him a new one for the next half hour. I was like, what I heard you say was you did this and then you did this and then your wife felt this way and you did this and you did this and then this happened. And I'm just like, just rip it, ripping him apart for half an hour. And he, that long, quiet pause, silence. And he says, I hate you so much right now. Everything you just said, it's 100% right. It's totally right. Everything you just said is totally right. I hate you so much right now. <laughs> and I was like, that's what, I, that's what I'm here to do, man. I'm, I listen. I make sure I understood. And I tore you a new one. And, and he thanked me for it. And he joined the program and he's thriving. His marriage is restored. They were on the verge of divorce. They were both they had all kinds of messes going on in their own lives and they're doing great. But we need that kind of truth. We need that kind of slap and clarity. We see Paul and Peter, like Peter is afraid of the Judaizers. So he's not eating with the Gentiles. He's doing this whole like, fake religious dance to try to get around and be accepted and loved by everybody and paul sits him down in galatians 2 and i confronted him to his face because clearly he was wrong that's love that's real love and we don't have that usually when people are operating in truth they're actually operating from a place of anger and hurt not a place of i hear you I empathize. I understand what's going on. Now I'm going to kick you. That's important. All right. We'll stop there. Awesome. Thank you for interacting. I know it's always a hard switch to go from me talking for 40 minutes or whatever to like, oh, yeah, yeah. Let me come up with a question. Thank you. Thank you for engaging. Hope you guys all have a great day. Be told.